Good morning, church. Today's reading from the Word of God comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17. Please follow along in your own Bibles on the screen behind me or listen as I read the scriptures. Once again, that's Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 17. Following the reading, I invite you to respond in worship with the singing of the doxology. At that time, children are invited to join kids' crew through the door on your right. Hear the word of the Lord. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Jew, no Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. As Pastor Gene said, my name is Ryan Tussey, and I've been a partner here for almost seven years. A little about my background. I grew up in Indiana. Any fellow Hoosiers? Yeah, thanks, Mike. (laughs) Uh, Went to Hope College and then moved out here over Labor Day weekend in 2012 to attend Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. I remember thinking that I would only be out here for three years before moving back to the Midwest upon completion of my Master of Divinity. I feel like I should insert something here about how we can make plans all we want, and God just kind of laughs at us. Uh, Anyway, uh, my wife Kate and I started attending here shortly after we got married uh, in 2016, and we've been leading a life group together since 2018. I also have the privilege to serve as a life group coordinator and have been doing so since around the end of 2019. I really love discipleship and small group ministries, and I'm thankful that I found avenues here uh, to use my own gifting that is both fulfilling to me and is of a benefit to the rest of the church. 
for me, one of the positive things that came with the recent rebrand and name change from High Rock to Anchor Bay is that the live group video that Chris Peters, Pastor Ethan, and myself came down off the website. See, we made this video during COVID, and I had some pretty bad COVID hair. As you can see, this really wasn't a good look for me. Now, I do feel bad that the video can't be used anymore, uh, knowing the amount of work that we put into it, but I'm mostly just grateful that it's not on the website anymore. Now, before we begin, it's our custom to take a moment to be quiet. Let's quiet our hearts and minds, set aside the distractions we brought with us today, and invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. After a moment of quiet, I'll pray. God, thank you that you are the God who speaks, you are the God who hears, and that you are Lord over all creation. We invite you here into this place. Open our hearts and our minds to receive a fresh word from you today. Amen. This morning, we're going to focus on transformation and the transformation we have in Christ. When Bryn asked and invited me to preach this summer during this series, we met to discuss what I would preach on question she posed to me was, what compels you about the gospel? As I thought about that question, the answer I settled on right now is how Christ transforms us both during our conversion and acceptance of Christ as Savior, but also during our journey of following Him the rest of our lives. The passage that Molly read for us this morning really highlights that transformation. Now, I've got an image that I all want you to picture in your head, growth spurts. Some of you might have experienced this while growing up, some might not have. But imagine waking up one morning, finding that you grew more than an inch taller overnight. When you go to get ready, all of your clothes don't fit anymore. You have outgrown them, every single one of them. You can't keep wearing your old clothes. You, might, you have to get new ones that fit. Now hold on to that image, because we're going to come back to it in a little bit. If you brought your Bibles, please turn with me to Colossians 3, verses 5 through 17. Colossians is one of my favorite letters that Paul wrote. It was written to the church of Colossae, and is focused primarily on Christ, who he is, what he has done, and what that means for his followers. This letter is structured with a greeting and introduction, theological teaching addressing specific, um, specific concerns for the people of Colossae, application of the teaching, and then a closing. The passage we are focusing on this morning is at the point in the letter where Paul transitions from the specific teaching um, to the application of that teaching and instruction. Before we jump right into this passage that begins with an intense list of behaviors that Paul says are out of bounds for Christians, we need to acknowledge something first. Paul greets the Colossians as God's holy people, faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. He gives thanks for them. He prays for them and says that he sees the fruit of the gospel growing in them. We can unpack today's passage together in light of Paul's tenderness for the Colossians and that he sees them uh, because of the gospel. This, these lists might be the first thing we are hearing from Paul this morning since we, didn't, uh, since we didn't read the beginning of his letter. And so to us, it could seem like Paul is writing to them just to tell them what not to do. But in light of his full letter, 
He brings these practices and behaviors with care with his brothers and sisters who are God's holy people. The passage can be split up into two parts, and most scholars describe it as putting off the old, putting on the new. Putting off the old and putting on the new. We're going to start with looking at putting off the old. Starting with verse 5, Paul says, Put to death, therefore, what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Verse 6, Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Verse 7, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Paul begins by saying, Put to death all these things that belong to your earthly nature. Put to death sounds really harsh. Why would Paul say this? Well, earlier in the letter, Paul is building an argument using similar language. In chapter 2, Paul says that those who receive Christ as Lord have been buried with Christ in baptism, and in that baptism are also raised with him through their faith in the working of God who has raised him from the dead that God has made us alive with Christ, forgiving all of our sins. Paul continues in chapter 2, verse 20, saying, Since you died with Christ, and then again in chapter 3, verse 1, since then you have been raised with Christ. Paul continues drawing out the contrast between the ways of the world and the ways of living with Christ. Paul is drawing the Colossians back into the reality that they are alive in Christ and no longer live according to the ways of the world. For Paul, the logical conclusion is to live according to the reality of life in Christ. And we pick up here in chapter 3 what that looks like practically. As Christians, as followers of Christ, we have been united with Christ in his death and resurrection, and this reality allows us to be free from our past self and practices. And as we jump into how we see that freedom from our past selves in our passage today, it starts off with a list of things that are pretty uncomfortable to talk about sometimes, especially in front of a huge room of people. In the first list of sins or vices, the list is dominated by types of sexual sin, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, but then concludes with greed. When greed is mentioned, it's called idolatry. Greed is an inappropriate desire for more, for things that are not ours, not good for us, and at its core is the basis or source of all these other four sins. These behaviors were things that permeated through Colossian society and the expanses of the Roman Empire at the time. The Christians of Colossae were most likely Gentiles prior to their acceptance of Christ as Savior, which means they were not Jewish and were not following the Jewish laws, which would have already prohibited these behaviors. Instead, they were doing what everybody else did in town, what the dominant culture said was okay. This is the water that they were swimming in. This is what they used to do and might still be doing. As we look around today, we might see some similarities in our world. Sexual immorality, lust, greed. Time changes, but the things that tempt us don't. And this old way of living is one that leads to death and separation from God eternally. Because of these things and living this way are counter to who God is. When we live that way, we are seeking, valuing, and loving things that are opposite of God, that pull us away from God and God's love and away from communion with God. 
God despises sin and will have no part in it. But that's not where the story ends. In chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. In verse 8, we get a second list, a description of driving in rush hour traffic. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Yeah, that sounds about right. But in all seriousness, when we take these two lists together, we get a more comprehensive picture of the kinds of things that are put to death with Christ. Paul continues saying not to lie to each other, since they have taken off the old self and its practices. This list gets under the surface. For Paul, life in Christ is not just about outward behaviors. It's about the internal attitudes and thoughts that are expressed in our outward behaviors. Life in Christ runs deep. Excuse me. Paul reminds them of the reality of life in Christ. Your insides are transformed by Christ. And the old clothes no longer fit. The old way of doing life, the old ways we operated, they don't fit anymore. The language used here is imagery and language of clothing. You, me, all of us have to take off this old way of life, these sinful practices, these behaviors that separate us from God and from each other. One image that comes to mind is from the TV show Friends. Uh, my mom would watch it every Thursday night when I was growing up, and I remember once I was old enough watching it with her if my homework was done. And if my homework wasn't done, I would listen to the audio in the other room while pretending to do my homework. In one of those episodes, Joey gets mad at Chandler for something that Chandler did, and so to, to, to retaliate, he goes and puts on all of Chandler's clothes and comes back to mimic Chandler by saying, could I be wearing any more clothes? I bring this up because for me, there are times when this image of Joey wearing layer upon layer of clothing is so relatable to taking off the old practices. It's like Paul is pointing out that we're wearing eight sweaters, three pairs of pants, none of them fit anymore, and none of them are in style. When it feels like I'm wearing so many layers of clothes and that taking off and it's taking forever to get rid of the old habits that I wish weren't part of my life anymore, I can get discouraged. I'm no brain doctor, but from what I do understand about how our brain works is that when we do something, we create a neural pathway, which is the way the brain communicates with the rest of the body. So the more we do something, whether it be positive or negative, the stronger that pathway becomes and the easier it is for us to do it again. So if we have been participating in these practices that we need to put off for years, that pathway is strong. It's going to take time to learn a different way. And that's the thing. It takes time to change these clothes. The longer we have been wearing this old way of life, the longer it can take to, um, the longer it can take uh, to take it off and get rid of it. But the call to us is to put off the old because we are in Christ and those old clothes that we were wearing when Christ died for us no longer fit in this new life we have with Christ now. There are times when I get really, really angry and I get worked up over seemingly small and insignificant things. Most people don't see this side of me because it usually only comes out when I'm alone and sometimes behind the wheel of a car in Boston's notorious traffic. You thought I was only joking about the rush hour traffic. <laughs> I 
when I'm honest with myself and with God, I can see that these outbursts are usually indicative of something else going on that I haven't dealt with. Maybe I'm still frustrated or annoyed with how a scenario played out at work or feeling hurt by a comment someone made, but I didn't ask for clarification, so I'm left stewing over the wrong interpretation of what was said. All these things can add up, boil over, and lead to bad, sinful anger. Paul warns us about when this anger is taken a step further into malice. The word malice gets at the experience of wanting to do evil or having ill will. Our inner ways can easily become our behaviors and impact others. Our anger can distort the ways we see each other. And if I'm honest with myself, there are times when I don't want to remove some of these clothes. Whether I want to admit it or not, there is comfort in the familiar ways. The old clothes might be comfortable. Maybe you can relate. What clothing or behaviors or attitudes are you still wearing that the Spirit is pointing out to you? Ask the Lord to point out places where God is offering you new clothes, new ways of being and behaving. Putting off the old can feel like a long and tedious process, in part because it is. Change can be hard, and change does take time. But the beauty of this is that it's not solely on us and the strength of our will to, um, to make the change and to put off the old. It's Christ who has done the work, and it's the Holy Spirit who is working within us that enables us to take off the old and to rid us of the sinful practices and vices. If you've ever had to sand down a piece of wood, you know that in order to get out all the bumps and notches and splinters and rough spots, in order to get the wood really smooth, it takes time. You start with a coarse grit and you sand the wood. You change it to the next grit up and you sand the wood all over again, repeating this process over and over until the wood is smooth. The process of taking off the old is similar. It's a process that takes time. And over the course of our lives, we will see patches that maybe have already been sanded that we've worked through with God. And the Spirit may be leading us into further refinement, a further sanding down. So let's talk about, let's talk about what we are to put on in the new clothes that Christ provides for us. In verse 12, Paul lists compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. And in verse 14, he adds love. This list is pretty similar to the list, the Galatians, um, to the list in Galatians known as the fruits of the Spirit. I was going to make a joke about how we just did a sermon series about the fruits of the Spirit, so I don't have to talk about these. But then I realized that that sermon was actually last summer, and I thought, wow, has it really been that long? Uh, so the joke's actually on me. Uh, this list is almost the exact opposite of that last list of vices. Anger, uh, malice, rage, slanter, filthy language. Those things will separate us, separate a community. Whereas compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, they bring people together. They help foster community. The Holy Spirit helps us get dressed in these new ways, these better outfits, we are not on our own to put on these better qualities. We're like a young toddler trying to get dressed. We need help from a parent in order for it to happen. We can assist in the process or make it challenging. I've seen this play out in my own life. 
when I'm more connected to God and more attuned with the Holy Spirit, it makes it easier for those new outfits to be put on. I'm a kinder person. I'm a more compassionate person. I'm a more patient person. Conversely, when I am not connected with God and ignore his presence, I see my patience shorten. I see my temper flare up. I become irritable. Maybe I'm alone in this, but maybe I'm not. Looking back at verse 10, the new self we are putting on is being renewed in knowledge and the image of its creator. It's an ongoing renewal. It's an active renewal. It's not a one-time thing. The image of its creator is referring to Christ, and I find that to be so encouraging. It's like we receive a fresh and clean, perfectly fitting new outfit to put on each day, or that feeling when you crawl into a bed with freshly laundered sheets. It's just so comfortable and makes you feel so good. That's the thing. It's not just that we are called to put on the new clothes of Christ, and it's what we should be doing. It's that these clothes are better than the old ones we've taken off. We have, to be, we have been given something that is better than what we had before. We have to believe that this is the case. We have to believe that the life Christ calls us into in Him is better than the life outside of Him. The allure and deception of some sins is that it feels good in the moment, but it feels horrible after. If it didn't, it'd be much easier to stop sinning. The feelings of guilt and shame sink in. Maybe we want to hide what we just did or cover it up or deny that it happened. I have a pair of Vans shoes that I love the way they look. They are this creamy off-white color with a sick green stripe on the side, but I can't wear them anymore because if I wear them for more than like 10 minutes, my feet ache. But I love the way they look and I'm always tempted to put them on when I think they will match my outfit. I will tell myself, maybe it won't be so bad this time. Maybe I can handle it. But sure enough, without fail, after walking around on my feet, they hurt. And the thing about shoes is that once you leave the house, you can't change them until you return home. So I have to remind myself that the pain isn't worth it. I now have a newer pair of Vans that I love just as much, and they don't hurt my feet as much as I wear them. Ha-ha, win for me! This is how it can be when we turn to the old clothes that we have taken off. We're reminded all, all over again of the hurts and pains that go along with the old clothes and feel relief in a new way when we allow God to clothe us in his ways. Paul tells us over everything else to put on love as it binds all other virtues together in perfect unity. Love is the thread that holds all these others, all these others together love of God, love of each other. I envision putting on like an overcoat or like a cloak of some sort that would cover up all the other clothing. Or maybe it's like an item that completes the outfit and can be worn with anything. I have a gray pullover fleece that I feel like I can wear with anything. Collared shirt, t-shirt, doesn't matter. It's comfy and it looks good with everything. And that's what love is for us. It goes with everything and impacts our decisions and interactions with others. Hearing about the importance of love doesn't come as a surprise to us. When Jesus was asked, which is the greatest commandment, he replied, to love God and to love our neighbor, and that everything can be summed up in these two. 
love is an essential outward expression of the new self we have in Christ. As we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to clothe us each day, we will see our love for God and his people grow. Paul continues in verse 15 saying, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word, excuse me, the word uh, for ruling has more of a legal meaning behind it. So we could think of it more in the sense of let the peace of Christ be the judge or deciding factor in our hearts. This peace is meant to guide our relationships with one another because we are members of the same body. We're all on the same team. As individually, we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit and putting on the new self. Collectively, we are to let peace dictate our interactions with each other, focusing on Christ, which unites us. Similarly, in verse 16, Paul says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. The message of Christ is the gospel. In God's love for us, Christ came into the world, taking on all the sin and shame upon himself, and he died on the cross. And in his resurrection from the grave has restored us from sin and into right relationship with God. This, is the, this message has to be central. This is at the heart of Christianity. The work of Christ is why we are here this morning. It's the reason why we have new clothes to put on each day. As a church, we collectively contribute to each other's growth by worshiping together, by talking and sharing with each other, by praying for each other, by serving on a ministry team together, all these things help us in our own transformation process and the transformation process of others. So as we are working through putting on the new clothes Christ gives, we can help each other put on those clothes and we can allow others to help us. Talking about transformation is great, but let's now talk about the ways we can help foster and participate in the transformation process of ourselves and of each other. The part and partner with the Holy Spirit putting on those new clothes on us. As the saying goes, you can't steer a parked car. So one of the best ways to get it rolling <laughs> is to spend time with God reading his word to us, the Bible. The main reason why it helps is it allows us to know God better. We get to read about who God is, what he has done for us. It allows us to be more familiar with him. Paul says that the new self that wears the new clothes is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. We need to know our creator, our savior. For me, I feel most connected to God when I'm consistently reading my Bible because then I am constantly reminded about who God is and I'm being invited and I'm inviting truth into my life just like the Israelites who had to be consistently reminded of who God is and what God has done for them, I too need those same reminders. When I'm not being consistent in reading my Bible, I allow for other voices to creep in and begin to tell me lies that slowly drift me from the truth about God. There was an illustration Molly used when she preached on uh, Jesus as the Good Shepherd earlier this year that also applies here. She asked the question, what soundtrack are you listening to? And spending time reading the Bible is a way to listen to the voice and soundtrack of God. 
I also don't want to give you a false impression about me. I definitely have seasons in life where I'm really good at this and seasons where I am not. We're all human. Pobody's perfect. If you haven't spent much time reading your Bible before, I know it can be scary or daunting or overwhelming or seem like a chore. I didn't start reading my Bible consistently until I got to college. I had no idea where to start. I picked Romans and decided to read a section at a time since most of the Bibles will group verses together and put a label on it to aid letting the reader know what to expect in that section. I'd read the section a few times and ask God for guidance on things that confused me. I underlined things that stood out to me, and it was great. Um, now when I read through Romans, I see those verses underlined and think, what was I going through at that time that made me underline these verses? Because now I have no idea why they are underlined. But that's the thing, though. Christ is living, and the Holy Spirit moves and will use words of Scripture to speak to you in ways that only you will understand in those moments. Nowadays, I tend to read larger portions of Scripture at a time, and that's great too. It can provide a more holistic view of Scripture and its context. It's part of the reason why we looked at verses 5 to 17 this morning instead of just 12 to 14 or 15 to 17. Zooming in and focusing on a few verses can allow you to see the deep connections to other passages through word choice or grammar. Zooming out allows you to see the narrative more as a whole. When it comes to reading the Bible, it's not so much of a, you have to do it this way or else. Give both a shot. Find what works best for you. Um, knowing it may change along the way, and that's okay. It's more about spending dedicated time with God. God will always meet us where we're at. But maybe your schedule's tough right now, and it's hard to envision carving out time to sit and read. Another option to consider is uh, listening to an audio version of the Bible for like 10 minutes instead of maybe your favorite podcast or artist on Spotify. If you're looking for additional ideas on reading the Bible, there's a great page on our website under the resources section called Reading the Bible. Hey, that's easy. Uh, also, feel free to talk to me after the service, and I'd be happy to come up with some additional ideas. But being a Christian and reading the Bible isn't a journey that's meant to be walked alone. We're meant to be in community with, with other Christians. Sharing our thoughts and beliefs about God um, is how we work out and fine-tune our beliefs. Life groups are a great place for this to happen, as it offers a place to further discuss what was taught during the sermon and allows for further study of the passage. If you aren't currently in a life group, it may just take some more intentionality. Um, but you can still grow by sharing with others like your roommates or spouse or a close friend. It's a gift to be able to engage in God's Word with others, to share what you are processing through, and to listen to what God is doing in others. We can also aid in our transformation through other ways of engaging our beliefs. Maybe listening to worship music while you work or while you're in the car helps you engage with your beliefs and grow. Maybe it's reading or listening to a nonfiction Christian book on an aspect of God or an aspect of Christian life or other topics that interest you or challenge you about God. All these things will help because they ultimately point us back to God. They remind us of our need for Him, of His love for us, and His power to breathe life into us and to transform us. So as we leave here this morning... My prayer for us is that we would continue to put on the new self that Christ has given us each day 
and that the Holy Spirit would enable and empower us to grow more and more into Christ's likeness. I'm going to close by reading Colossians 2, 6 through 7 as a prayer for us this morning. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Amen.